Straw Hut Media. I think that what I tried to do was write a story from that experience that I had being a closeted gay kid growing up, you know, in, in, in Rhode Island and in, in Florida as well, at a time when it wasn't a good thing to be a gay kid in, in those places. And, um, and to try to reach out to those kids that you're talking about and have them watch that and think the story of Clark Kent sort of coming out as an alien, which is what that story is, is something that I understand. It's something that some of the things that he's going through, some of the thoughts that he's having are the same thoughts that I have. And I think that's true. Like whether you, if your story is, is as a, as a, you know, a, a kid who's, who's figuring out their identity or whether it's an immigrant, you know, story or which a lot of people see Superman as an immigration allegory, um, or whether it's somebody who's living, you know, on the social spectrum. Um, I, I think that it's sort of a reverse version, maybe, of coding, where uh, where what I try to do is take my experience as a queer, you know, formerly queer kid, um, who used to be, uh, you know, like Clark Kent, um, and, and make that something that is accessible to, to many, many people who can see their own story and how it connects to my story. And that then, we're not all as different as we think we are, that our differences really are just skin deep, that we have so much deep, deep stuff that is, that is, that connects us and that we share. It's so much more of that than the stuff that we think makes us different. In 1954, Dr. Frederick Wortham's book, Seduction of the Innocent, claimed that comics were depraved and harmful to children. This led to the creation of the Comics Code Authority, a voluntary yet omnipresent label ensuring comics bearing its sigil would follow many guidelines, one in particular being that illicit sex relations are neither to be hinted at nor portrayed. Rape scenes, as well as sexual abnormalities, are unacceptable. This led to the utilization of queer coding, especially with early work, which was often unflattering. Villains were often the focus of queer coding, which led directly to villainizing gay people and ideas. Another aspect of queer coding is queer baiting, which baits a queer audience with themes and character interactions that appeal while never delivering on these themes. But Tim Sheridan and Megan Fitzmartin are two people who are changing the world of comics in 2021. It was never a space of like, Oh man, who who were trying to like be inclusive with this character that has no lines. It was more of just like, this is who this person is, and that's the most important. Today we chat with Tim and Megan, two comic book writers who broke boundaries when they introduced new queer characters into their comics, like Stitch, a genderqueer hero from Teen Titans Academy, and Tim Drake's Robin from Batman Urban Legends. Um and it was just this elation, like it was just this moment of pure elation of like, cool, this is really cool. Tim and Megan will share how these beloved queer characters came to be in the comic world, why this authentic representation matters today, and what comics might look like in the future. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride.
Tim is a member of the LGBTQ community and has worked for DC across comics and animation with series like Shazam and Teen Titans Academy. I grew up in a very small town in the woods in Rhode Island and uh, uh, did not, so far away from people that um, it was not suburbia. There, you didn't go out and play with your other friends uh, every day. So my life was about television and comics and action figures. And those were in many ways my friends. Um, so I grew up on uh, all of those things. And um, then uh, eventually I uh, ended up uh, working uh, in the business. He's currently writing Teen Titans Academy, which has introduced Stitch, a new genderqueer character to DC canon. Titans Academy came to me from Mike Cotton, my editor at DC, who said, you know, we've got this idea, this concept for, you know, using uh, the, the, the Teen Titans title, to, you know, to, uh, to, to do something different and um, to introduce the concept of an academy. What would you do with that? And one of the first things I said to Mike is, you know, if we're gonna do that, and if the classic Titans characters like Nightwing and Starfire and, and Cyborg and Raven are, are gonna be there as faculty, then it's important, I think, to sell the concept that we bring in a whole new class of young kids who are there to learn from these heroes who have this long, rich, storied history. And um, and I thought, I'm, I'm new to comics, and I thought, well, I'm gonna be laughed off this call. <laughs> and uh, But instead, uh, Mike said, absolutely, that's exactly what, what we should do. And what are the characters? <laughs> and one of the first characters I pitched uh, DC uh, was Stitch. Stitch is a magical ragdoll, so they're not necessarily human, which Tim saw as an opportunity to explore something more about the character. And so I felt like I had an opportunity to explore the concept of gender from a, a sort of an outside perspective. That came, I have to tell you, with huge trepidation on my part, because one of the things I really wanted to steer clear of is the um, the monster trope and the idea that, well, this is not a human character, so we're going to make this a queer character and explore queer themes. But, it, you know, I think sometimes maybe my I'm, I'm, I'm cynical, but sometimes I think that was that's been done. You know, it's like, oh, but it's OK, because they're not a per they're not a person. They're not a human. So so we can we can explore these 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 themes. Um, so it was a it was a tricky tightrope for me in the beginning, and I wanted to make sure we got it right. I think I actually kind of screwed some stuff up in the beginning. The first reviews of the character Stitch couldn't quite pinpoint what identity they were. There were reports that they were bisexual or pansexual. I felt like it made sense for Stitch to to for them to refer to themselves as gender nonconforming, and uh, and and also um, you know that. It's it's okay for Stitch to identify however Stitch feels like they identify. Um, one of the things that I was really clear about early on were, were the pronouns for Stitch. And that was something that I thought, this is gonna be a tough one because there's so many people that work on the book. I've gotta make sure that when I'm using these pronouns that everyone understands how they work and how we're referring to Stitch and how Stitch is referring to themselves. and. Um, and one of the great joys was so, you know, 
from a very early moment in the book, uh, in the work on the book, uh, you know, everybody was was on board and using Stitch's pronouns the way that Stitch would want them used. Um, and uh, but you know, we like we do in in real life. I mean, we we kind of made some mistakes early on, and I felt like I needed to sort of shepherd everyone when a mistake was made when someone used the wrong pronoun. I said, you know, let's let's just be clear that you know Stitch identifies as they them. And, uh, you know, but it was sort of a little bit of a learning curve and everyone picked it up fast and got on board. That was really heartwarming. Um, so so it was a real opportunity for me. It had some pitfalls, but I wanted to make sure that we were honest and true to uh, a character who uh, sort of looks at at uh, at relationships and and gender and all of the trappings of what it is to be a human being with great wonder and awe and, you know, a little bit of uh, humor as well. Tim was prepared for there to be a little pushback from his DC team about the character, but he was pleasantly surprised. Um, I really didn't know what to expect. So I was prepared, I should say, for it to be a little bit more challenging to communicate the concept, you know, of who Stitch is. I think one of the things that is just a general sort of uh, a trap in uh, in our creative process on Titans Academy, you know, is or could be at least the fact that there is a kind of a language barrier between Rafa Sandoval and myself. Rafa is is Spanish and, um, you know, my, my his English is much better than my Spanish. But, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that uh, that Rafa understood, you know, where Stitch was coming from and that I was communicating it correctly to him. So that was sort of the things I was expecting were that we would not be able to communicate it. I didn't expect that anyone would dishonor who Stitch was or anything like that. There are so many things that connect us as members of the community that we all have in common. And there's a reason why we all stand together within the same community. And um, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I honored those experiences, uh, that I'm honoring, I should say, those experiences as best I can, and making sure that everyone else on the team feels that they have an opportunity to explore that and honor that as well. Which, I mean, feels like, it feels like such like a no-brainer, but at the same time, also very refreshing because it's something that is new somewhat to, to many sorts of media and entertainment, specifically in this kind of superhero world. Um, some have drawn conclude they've drawn connections to uh, Ragman, Roy Reagan, and kind of his supernatural patchwork look and the costume design. Um, a, a character that appeared first in the 1970s, I think. And a question for you I had was: Do you find more value in creating new characters who can be part of the LGBTQIA? Uh, community, as opposed to repurposing a fan favorite like you know a Teen Titan uh, to become part of the LGBTQ plus community, do you feel like that gives you more freedom? Well, let me say it this way: it I think it creating new characters always gives you an opportunity to have more freedom um, with everything about those characters, um, not just sort of how they identify and what community they're a part of. Um, but uh, so, so in general, cre creating original characters just makes the road a little bit easier all, all over the place. Um, having said that, I do think it is important and it's an important part of being authentic in our representation of, of our community 
to to um, to see established, well-known characters come out and and have uh, you know uh, and and you know either that they either that they have discovered something about themselves or that they reveal something about themselves that they've hidden. Um, uh, I think that that's true to life. I think that that happens in the real world. And so I, I think if we avoided that, it, we would be doing a disservice to the many fans um, that are out there who, who identify that way and feel that way. Oh, and also to those who, who don't necessarily identify or feel that way. We've all heard of Batman and Robin, right? Bruce Wayne and his trusty sidekick who keep the streets of Gotham safe. But in a current comic, Batman Urban Legends, it was revealed that Robin would be exploring his sexuality. Introduced in some of our parts, the story shows Tim rescuing an old friend of his, Bernard, from a cult, one that's been kidnapping teenagers all over Gotham City. At the end of the story, Bernard asked Tim on a date, an offer to which Tim says yes, which is a huge deal and brings us to Megan Fitzmartin. I grew up in uh, Florida, uh, in a small town called Celebration, Florida, which is the town that Disney built. Um, so it was a very sort of formative experience. Uh, my joke is always that I was the emo kid in the happiest place on earth. Megan is a DC writer and has worked on series like Batman Urban Legends and Future State, Robin Eternal. But I got into uh, comics because my dad, my dad loves comics and I have a really good relationship with my father and he was very strict on movies at my house and, and what we could watch and PG-13 movies were generally, even if I was 13, I, re I really wasn't allowed to see them except superhero movies. Those were always like the movies that had sort of carte blanche. Uh, my dad would take me to see them. It didn't really matter. Um, and there was just this, this bonding experience that I had with him. Um, and then as I got older and I started to like parse through my own emotions and things, um, I realized that comic books were super helpful and beneficial in terms of understanding my own feelings about things. Like when you're a kid, the world does feel like it's ending and um, it is difficult to sort of find that. But, but I would see these superheroes who were mimicking the same thing that I was feeling, but it was on like the grand scale of the world ending. And how did you sort of process those emotions in those spaces or not process those emotions and what it looks like when you don't process emotions. And um, so comic books really helped me understand my own emotions and feelings and, and how to relate to uh, sort of big, um, big, scary things in the world. Megan started out at Warner Bros in the TV estimating department, handling the company's budgets. Then she moved to being an assistant on a popular show you might be familiar with, Supernatural. The last year, I became a staff writer. And during that time, I met a lot of Warner Brothers folks, um, two being uh, Jim Craig and Jeremy Adams, who um, Jeremy Adams is currently writing Flash. And they got me into DC animation stuff. So I did DC Superhero Girls. And Jeremy and I co-wrote a movie that came out earlier this year called Justice Society World War II. And during that time, end of 2019, there was there was sort of a, a, a not a mandate, but we had heard that like they were looking for some writers. If, if anybody in DC Animation was interested in writing comics, um, they would put our name for it. And Jeremy and I both like sort of looked at each other because we both have also very much loved comics. And we were like, yes, yes, that's a dream come true. Are you kidding me? Um, so got pulled over into uh, DC and 
it, it's been amazing. I've, I've absolutely adored it. The first project she was asked to work on at DC was Tim Drake, a crime fighter who works with Batman. Drake is the third character to take on the role of Robin in the franchise. When I was brought on to DC, one of the characters, they, they had asked me, they were specifically asking me like, okay, we're doing this, this event called Future State. We would love for you to, would you be interested in doing Tim Drake? Um, and I was like, yes, of course. Like literally I, I will do whatever you ask me. Cause I really want to, I really want to write a comic. Um, and, and I had been practice, uh, like practicing, I've been taking classes and things like that, writing my own. Um, and I was like, absolutely. I would love nothing more. Um, and it's the bat family. Like I have loved the bat family for so many years. And so it was like this honor. And, and so I went in and I did two issues for, um, uh, Robin Eternal, Future State Robin Eternal. And it was really great. It was really fun. It was, I learned so much and my editor was amazing. Um, and, uh, that team was just fantastic. And so, uh, the uh, assistant editor who became the ed- my editor for Batman Ur- Urban Legends came and was like, hey, really liked working with you. And I loved working with him. And so it was a sort of situation of we would love to, what if we told more stories? What if you told more Tim Drake stories? Because we're already on this role. And so he's like, just take some time, like think about what t- sort of Tim Drake story you'd want to tell. Um, and I was like, okay, great. Like, I would love nothing more. I'd spend some time. I spent some time with Tim Drake already sort of in that like metaphysical space as a writer um, of investigating him and, and, and who he is and, and his wants and needs and things. The idea Megan came up with had to do with exploring Tim Drake's identity. It is the story of Tim sort of coming to terms with his own self rather than like, you know, trying to fabricate something this felt very personal and grounded and, and internal and, and answered a bunch of questions that like I had about the character for years. And um, so I, I sent it to my editor and I was like, Hey, I need to know if we can do this because uh, th- this is what I'm moving forward with. And this is what I'm thinking about. And, um, and he was like, okay. He's like, you're not the first person that has brought this up. So that, that was beneficial in my, in my, um, case. I, I made a full case to him. I think I brought in a bunch of different panels. While pitching the character to her directors, Megan stressed that her goal was to tell an authentic story. She wanted the world to know more about who Tim Drake really is. We went through and got the approvals and I was like, okay, cool. Like I, I got the email. I remember and I still, I have it saved because it's one of my favorite emails where it was like, because I also did it through email so that I would have it like, okay, I need to know if I can do this. I need to like make sure. Um, and I remember getting the email and just sort of sitting on my floor for a solid two minutes and going, okay, we're going to do this. I always dreamed that I would see Tim Drake, you know, be someone who's even more like me. Um, and, uh, and you know, by by a strange, by strange coincidence, it, you know, things... You know, that, that's being explored right now in the books at the time that I'm at DC writing stuff as well. I don't have anything to do with it, um, but, uh, but I, I, I'm thrilled that it's, that it's happening, that they're looking at it, that, that it's a, a journey that, that I've thought about for a long time that, that, he's, that he's going through. It's less about validation and more about like, this is who the character is realizing over the course of time in the same way that like, people who are queer kind of sort of come to that realization. It's not always, it, it, it is not always like this immediate, like, ah, yes, I know, I've known this whole time. It is a thing of like, yeah, no, this is, 
this is who I am. Like, I, I realize that a lot of things start clicking into place and making sense. And I think that, like, it's less of a validation and more of a realization, if that makes sense, of a, like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you weren't wrong for seeing it before. It maybe wasn't necessarily the, the intent before because it wasn't necessarily what who Robin knew himself to be. But now the pieces can sort of fall into place in a way that uh, they weren't able to before. When we come back, queer baiting and the future of DC Comics. Welcome back. Today we're chatting with Megan Fitzmartin and Tim Sheridan, two comic book writers who broke boundaries when they wrote LGBTQ characters into the DC comic universe. Tim's Stitch and Megan's Robin have both brought authentic representation to the DC universe. But that isn't to say that queer baiting or queer coding aren't common practices seen in media today. Queer baiting is when a marketing team hints that a character is a member of the LGBTQ community, but then doesn't offer that character genuine scenes surrounding their identity. You know, you never really want a character to sort of just be somebody in the background that like waves for two seconds. Like that's, that's, we've all been that person in someone else's life and that sucks. Um, and I don't like, I, it was nice to be able to like say, no, 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 that's not, that is a, that is, that's not what we want to do here. We want to, to bring weight and merit to, to this character, to this person, rather than just be like, ah, yes, this is the, this is a, a symbol and a non, non-entity. This is, it's important because, queer people are important like they queer people exist i don't like in a way that that matters tim works a little differently with his characters they aren't all established dc icons like robin which gives him more creative freedom but it also means he has less time to establish full stories for each of the characters but when it comes down to it in the end i think our responsibility has to be to the story and the characters and I just find that discovering who these characters are throughout, through their real life interactions, uh, real life, but their real interactions in the book with each other, finding out who they are that way and discovering more about them as the days go on, as the months go on, is a more organic and exciting and ultimately satisfying way of introducing characters. If I, I could give you a book that started with a rundown, a, a bio on every character, who they are, what they're into, you know, where they identify, and um, and then we just start the story, right? That's a way to do it, I guess. It's not interesting to me. Well, it's one of the reasons why when you read Titans Academy or or any you know or Shazam or any of the comics that I'm writing, you don't see omniscient narrator voice. You don't see a lot of inner, inner monologue because what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do is to let these characters develop for fans through the real life type of interaction that you'd have. Megan said the biggest obstacle was working with such an established and beloved character. With any sort of IP, you are always working off of what has been already in existence. and. That's sort of what all I wanted to do with this character is to pull pieces from from his past that explained himself. Like that is 
and then allow those pieces to speak for themselves. Like ultimately my goal at the end of this was um, for, for Tim Drake to speak his own piece and like make his own realizations and, and get to sort of his own understanding about things. Um, and with a little bit of help, like I'm, I'm, Detective Williams, I think was, was a character that I wanted there to sort of, you know, hold his hand a little bit and be like, this is okay. If you need to like get to this realization on your own, uh, on your own terms and on your own time, this is great, but like allow yourself and give yourself that space. Um, and so, you know, allowing, allowing the history of, of the Robin character to, percolate and and I did a lot of like like I said I did a lot of research and I did a lot of study and I did a lot of like digging into this character because I, I I wanted it to be Tim's story like that was the most important thing for me is for Tim's story to be heard for Tim's voice to be heard and beyond that like the other voices don't matter at the end of the day like people are gonna think whatever they want to think I don't have any control over that um, all I can do is tell the best story that I can and create a space for for Tim to exist as a as a fully realized character if that doesn't work for some people like cool that I wish them no ill but um, this is this is this is Tim this is the the hope was that this was what Tim was saying and giving Tim the space to say it Thus far, Tim's longest-running relationship was with Stephanie Brown, or Batgirl, when she was first introduced 25 years ago. Tim's only other intimate relationship was with his teammate, Superboy, from Teen Titans and Young Justice. A lot of rumors swirled about the full extent of that relationship, but nothing was ever made canon. Megan said there were a few moments she pulled during her research, which led her to the conclusion about Tim Drake's sexuality. Like, as I was sitting with Tim within those moments, like, I remember, I remember reading, like, when Tim went to, um, the pride parade that was happening and like that, that was a moment for me where I was like, oh, this is really interesting and a very specific moment for like the writer to make and the artist to draw. But like, as Tim as a character going through this and supporting his friend, there was something about that, that like really spoke to me of like, there is, there is, I don't know, like there's something interesting to this this aspect of the story. There's also something interesting. I mean, there's so many, I feel like so many small moments that it's really difficult for me to like, be like, oh yes, this one aha moment. Cause, and I think like, this is true for a lot of people that it is all of these small moments that you in retrospect, look back and go, yes, no. Okay. This explains a lot about myself. Um, and so for me, it was just a lot of these smaller moments for Tim where I was like, oh, cool. Yes. This is, this explains a lot. Like all artists who put their work out into the world for others to enjoy, Megan felt anxious and worried about how people would respond to the new issues with Tim Drake. My editor, my editor sent us an email and he was like, well, we knew that this was going to like affect comic world. Um, and so like sort of that's that sense of, I mean, as long as my editors had passed off on it, I was like, this is fine, like whatever, whatever. But I knew comic people were going to have some opinions. Um, they're never known for opinions at all, but you know, I've, I figured they might have a couple. Um, and so there was like that sort of fear um, because I wanted to do justice to the character, but then there also was like the fear as it got bigger and like as more people took notice, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is this is cool and wonderful and amazing. and and 
good, but also I'm terrified of attention all the time. So that was, that's its own sort of fear. Um, but yeah, but more like most specifically, it was just wanting to make sure that I told Tim Drake's story with justice and with, with care and with honor, like, cause that at the end of the day, all the rest of it doesn't matter. That's what I wanted more than anything else was to show him love and, and give him the space for that and, and hopefully thereby giving others the space to be themselves as well. I mean, I think that I absolutely, <laughs> not that anybody cares what I think, but I absolutely demand that queer characters are integrated into DC continuity just as they are integrated into you know everyday life and society. Stitch and Tim Drake are not the only characters in the DC universe who are members of the LGBTQ community. Characters like Alan Scott's Green Lantern, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, new Aquaman Jackson Hyde, and even the amazing Wonder Woman have all been written as queer at some point in their franchises. In television specifically, the CW's Batwoman, formerly played by Ruby Rose, made headlines when she came out as a lesbian on the show. Other franchises like Marvel and Star Wars are also incorporating queer storylines into their storytelling. I've done a lot of writing work within like these very wonderful queer spaces that like, I'm like, no, it, it, it is less about having a responsibility and more just like, this is life. This is, this is what the human tapestry looks like. Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I write these stories for like of, of real human people? Um, that exists. And so, um, and, and in, in the same sense of self, like I am constantly wanting to make sure that I am challenging my own understanding of specifically gender and, and masculinity and femininity um, within those binaries that, that have been created. And it's, it is very easy to do in superhero stories and like, it's been done. What's, what's, the other side of that coin is there's some really cool stuff that we can do that like hasn't been done because there's some really there's 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 stuff to challenge and, and I think that that's a really fun space to exist in so I I am I am extremely lucky that I have not felt bogged down or afraid because I've just been in spaces that have been really supportive and, and nurturing in that so I don't if people get mad at me once again that is their own sort of situation and I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm on a boat. I'm fine. Both Tim and Megan confirm that these LGBTQ plus stories are just the beginning. Um, there is a story that, that I, that is currently on the books. I can't talk about it right now, but it's, um, uh, there, there is a story that involves, um, a character's journey with their identity and it's you know there's 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 mystery surrounding it right now this is a character that that is that is in dc continuity now and um and in the beginning the the, the idea was to re, to sort of uh explore that story earlier in in you know after meeting that character it was something that we couldn't do because of reasons that didn't have anything to do with that character's story they were um, sort of, there were very legitimate reasons uh, regarding like, well, we, 
that the, the particular title that we would use where we'd have that book under is being it has a different story and a different creative team right now so i you know it wasn't it wasn't something i could do right away so i said great no problem but we're going to do it we'll just do it a little bit later and we'll kind of build up to it well now that has sort of opened up and the plan is to to uh to have that story play out next year and it is a, a, a story very much about an awakening and and uh, an understanding of, of, of one's identity. Um, but it is something that I feel so strongly has to be done in a way that is authentic to the experience that this character is gonna be having. Where that story is gonna begin is in a very sci-fi, otherworldly space kind of story, but that afforded me an opportunity to introduce new information to this character that is going to help them understand their identity. I know that it is that it is on, on the hearts and minds of everybody there that like this is once again we are telling human stories, not just like caricature stories. We are telling human stories that exist um, because queer people exist. So um, yeah, there is there is just this genuineness um, that I have seen and experienced and, and I'm so thrilled about because it's, I've never questioned it the last couple of years with the people that I've worked with. It is, it is almost a foregone conclusion of like, oh no, of course, like we're going to do, obviously making sure that we do the best version, like the best job that we can. A friend of mine, Andrea Shea, did this amazing book for Pride Month that was like DC Pride and like she's she's a, a brilliant um, assistant editor and editor um, and the, the there are minds like hers that are pushing for it and, and really supportive in these spaces and so I think it's I think it's really cool there's some really cool stuff happening in, in superhero land and I'm grateful for it Tim Drake's sexuality storyline began in issue six, and it'll pick back up in number 10. There's going to be some more Tim story happening. Um, but this is, you know, once again, this is a journey. This is a journey for Tim as it is a journey for so many people. Um, so we, uh, this isn't just a one and done thing. This isn't just, you know, Tim going, all right, I have, I have discovered my, this is it. This is who I am. Like, that's not, that. That isn't a real human story, nor will it be Tim's. So um, I there is whatever the journey he goes on with, if it's me, hopefully, or others, but um, we we this is this is a journey. So Tim's Teen Titan Academy was first published in March of 2021. It follows old superheroes like Nightwing, Starfire, and Cyborg as they try to train the next generation of supers. Teen Titans Academy number one. I think you should read that because while it may not feel explicitly queer and the characters may not feel explicitly queer, come along for the ride. And, um, and you know, there's, there are some, some if, you, if you're willing to, to meet these characters and journey with them um, and learn information about who they are through their everyday interactions, um, you know, at the end of that story, there, there are, you know, there's a pot of gold. <laughs> Without saying too much, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. 
<laughs> See, I didn't go for the like the actual. I was like trying to be poetic about it, and you just threw it yeah, out. Just there. slap it in their face. Just, just give it to them right in their face. <laughs> Somewhere, there is a young queer person living in the middle of nowhere, can't walk to any friend's houses that is loving television and comic books just like you were when you were a kid. If there was something that you hoped that those young readers would either discover or learn or take from the work you're doing at DC and the, and the work that DC is publishing, what would that be? It's funny because I feel like kids today probably are in a, a, they're just coming up in a different world than I did. And I think my answer is gonna be something that probably is more about what I would tell 11, 12 year old Tim. Um, and, and and there are 11, 12 year old Tims out there now. Um, uh, but uh, I think it would be very simply that you, you know you're not alone <laughs> um that's it that's all i needed that's what i wanted to hear when i was figuring out who i you know what kind of person i was and what kind of person i was gonna be and wanted to be you know partially some of that had to do with my my sexual orientation but also um you know what kind of man i was going to be and what kind of career i was going to have all of those things, you know, I was a nerdy kid who read comics, who was figuring out, mm, do I think I like boys? Um, and if somebody had been able to say to me, yeah, just like, you know, a whole lot of other people, you know, you're not alone. <laughs> um, that's all I would want. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Then follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride, and tune in weekly for new episodes. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and subscribe for more stories from amazing queer people. If you'd like to connect with me, you can follow me everywhere at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, Ryan Tillotson, Caitlin McDaniel, and Brandon Marlowe. Edited by Silvana Alcala and Daniel Ferreira. Sound mixing by Silvana Alcala. Maybe Tim Drake is going to have a new <laughs> hobby where he is like, you know what? I'm done being Robin and now I do boats. This is Listen, it. Listen, so I have joked with my partner numerous times of like the next thing the next thing i write about robin is that he has uh he resined he's resined a boat because i'm putting this to use somehow <laughs> <laughs>